music's always way too loud off the top. Hi! Uh, welcome to the Daily <laughs> News, everybody. Marshall Ferguson at TSN underscore Marshall alongside Mike Daly at Daily News 8 is where you can find him. Uh, thank you for being here with us on the show as always. Thank you to our partners at Fox 40 for hanging out and uh, being part of this journey with us. You can start your season off right with products from Fox 40. Outfit your coaching staff with custom logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and more. Visit fox40shop.com and use the code CFP15 at checkout to get 15% off of your order. I had a weird uh, thought the other day, Mike. I was walking my dog, listening to a podcast, and they jumped into like a sponsored read. It was for like Elijah Craig whiskey and bourbon or something like that. And the the person that was reading it just read it in like the cheesiest way possible. Like it was, <laughs> and it was funny because I thought when I was doing radio, radio ads, we would always get these like live spots or going in or out of break where we would constantly have to just be doing like the over the top radio read. And then yeah. now we do podcasts, but for some reason we just decided that we're going to read them the exact same way for the most part. And and I was like, why did we make that decision? I feel like that would have been a good chance to just be like, radio is transitioning into digital audio podcasting. We can create a new way, but still we're sitting here going, you can master your game plan with Fox 40 coaching boards. Choose a range of clipboards and carry boards to help with your sideline needs. Visit fox40shop.com to shop coaching boards and more. Take 15% off your order using the promo code CFP15. See, but that's just that's just you because you have a radio voice. If I were to do it, it'd just sound like I was talking because <laughs> I haven't mastered my radio voice yet. It's just... That's okay. That's all right. But yeah, you're right. We got to figure something. I, I listen to a few podcasts too that kind of do that, like go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> you're just like, well, oh, this isn't anywhere the conversation was going. And now we're completely on the other side of the world here. Uh, speaking of off the rails, I hope everybody enjoyed our Jeremiah Masoli conversation. I know I did. Uh, I was thinking yeah. about it uh, throughout the week. I, I really enjoyed being able to to listen to his thoughts on transitioning from Hamilton to Ottawa and, uh, I think something that that came out for me listening back to it was I think people forget how long he's been in this league. Like, yeah. And I understand that we're living in an era right now with the CFL where, yeah, Michael Riley was around forever and Bo Levi Mitchell is getting up to this veteran status of like, you know, 10th year in the league. And, but there's not a lot of guys in league history in one era who have all been 10 plus year guys. And like Soli's getting to that mark too. Like everybody that we've got in, and I know everyone's talking about new blood and the younger quarterbacks and the big name episode that we did on the Manziel game earlier this uh, this uh, podcast as well. But it's just it's interesting to think how many guys are reaching veteran status, and then to look I don't know two, three, four, five years down the road, and it does make me wonder when all of those ten year tenured guys start to make their way out of the game what does the influx of the next look like? Because we're getting it in little pieces right now, but I do wonder what that's going to look like. Well, and I think it's just like one of those things where you look around and there's a few of them, right? Like you, you see Vernon's kind of coming into his own, right? Totally. Cody is as well. Hopefully Dane, you know, can keep what he's got going on. So hopefully there is that new influx, but you're absolutely right. Like to have that many guys that have been around for so long, especially at the quarterback spot, like we said before, it's such a hard, such a hard position that yeah. you need guys with experience there. But yeah, it was awesome to have Mazzoli on. I mean, you know, the, the guy we all know and love from the locker room is, you know, it, it's hard not to root for that guy. And like I said, at the end of the episode, like 
I just, I hope he does fantastic and it's, it's a ton of fun to watch him. And it's a ton of fun being his friend. He's just a good dude. One of those guys, you know what I mean? Totally. The only thing I felt bad about was that I geeked out on telling him every single type of throw he's ever made in the <laughs> And at the end of the interview, I just like went yeah. off the rails and he was like, I mean, yeah, I know. I'm the one who makes the throws. You're, you're telling me like why, what my best throws are. So um, the, the one thing that we didn't touch on with him though, that we both thought was interesting and is actually the basis of our discussion today is social media and social media in the locker room because the Jeremiah that I have known and interviewed, I mean, I'll be real with you about this because I've always been you know, pretty transparent with Jeremiah and he, I think he knows his relationship with the media is that off-season Jeremiah, community involvement Jeremiah is awesome. Post-game Jeremiah, not great. Post-game Jeremiah in a difficult loss, there's not even a point. <laughs> And, and it's like, I, I get it because you're frustrated and you go through a difficult loss and all the rest, but he is one of those players that really signifies to me the difference between in-season, off-season wins and losses. And, um, and I've, I've always appreciated that about him because once you understand the dynamic with somebody, you know when you don't need to push it. Like, I'm not going to go to him. You know, when, when Speedy broke his collarbone in Ottawa and people were going in and saying, you know, do you think this team can win a great cup without Brandon Banks? It's like, dude, my best receiver got hurt like half an hour ago. I don't have an yeah. answer for you on that. Right. And I, I've always kind of prided myself as one of those quote unquote media guys who I still feel like I'm a football player. I just happen to work in the media. So when I go in to ask those questions, I know he doesn't, he's not going to answer that question. There's no point in asking that question, but his social media, uh, social media usage has been interesting to me because he's basically been non-existent on any platform most of his time in the CFL mm -hmm. and then he experiences this rebirth and all of a sudden he's like showing up and retweeting stuff and posting his own tweets about how excited he is about the, the chance to go to Ottawa and I'm like okay that's a really good example of somebody using the platform to try to endear themselves to a new fan base yeah and I think you know speaking on the first point you made where you know you go into these interviews after a game especially if you lost or or you won, whatever it's, you know, we're all kind of, it's such a team sport. We're all kind of trained and guided that way that as soon as you start asking us about specific people, it's, it, you just want to push it off as fast as possible. Right. Unless you're going to pump somebody up, but if you're talking about injuries and stuff like that, but the, the coolest thing is, like you said, the guy like Mazzoli where he goes in there and you know, he's just going to be this level-headed calm guy it's kind of refreshing on our end as a player because you're like, oh, you know what? He doesn't care about this other stuff. No. He doesn't care about the social media stuff. He doesn't, you know what I mean? Doesn't care about propping himself up when, you know, there's, there's guys in the league and you can just tell like, that's what they care about. That's what they're there for. And uh, when you have a leader like that, it's, it's kind of cool, but you know, then moving on to his social media, I mean, it's, it's this weird balance you have as a player and I feel as a quarterback it's even more and it's a, a completely like you almost want to put quarterbacks in one bucket and then every other player in another bucket because the, the problem is is when you're a quarterback it's you have so much pressure right it's it's the wins and the losses are kind of surrounded about you right it's like the head coach it's the same thing you know what I mean you have an offensive coordinator you have a defensive coordinator who's really affecting the game Yep. for the most part, right? They can call whatever they want in most systems. And when it doesn't work out, it goes, head coach, why did you lose that game? And really the head coach is like, 
I was kind of making a little bit of calls on, you know, maybe a third and short if we're going to go for it or not. And I was holding on to the timeouts, making sure we were hitting the timeouts properly. Other than that, you know what I mean? I, I maybe been hands off. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't say that. Right. And yeah. it's the same thing as a quarterback. So I think when you get in a social media world as a quarterback, it's kind of nerve wracking because if you are too far out there or you are, you know, laying everything on the table and showing all your emotions, when you have a good game, you know, everybody's going to be on your side. You're going to get all the, Hey, awesome game. Great job. You're responding all that kind of stuff. Once you have a bad game or maybe a couple bad games, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it gets bad. You know what I mean? And, and then you almost don't even want to look at it. So I feel like you kind of get this resentment toward it and then just end up being like, you know what? I'm not talking to anybody. Yeah. There's a lot of meat on that bone that we'll get to here. But I think the first thing that jumps out for me in that is when you were talking about quarterbacks and non-quarterbacks and how they handle it, because um, I am somebody who believes that we should give athletes the ability to be transparent and to use the platform how they can to, to let people know who they really are. But we know that there's cases where you're like, I want somebody to tell me more about themselves and use this platform to, you know, uh, open up themselves to me. And then they open themselves up and there's something that you don't like. You're like, mm, I, I don't want them that, I don't want them that open. Like I'm not oh, interested. Too far, too far. Right? Too and far. That's, but that's the nature of social media is like, I like everything until you have something I disagree with. And then all of a sudden I label you as, oh, you know what, you're not for me. And the reason for that is that social media is such a black and white. It is such a one or two. It's, I follow you or I unfollow you. I block you yeah. or I don't block you. I mute you or I don't mute. It's like, it's this absolutism that I really believe has permeated into society as much as anything else. Because when we're making all of our decisions on, I'm either in or I'm out on every single person that you're interacting with and you're not even face to face. That's where I think we get to this point where the quarterbacks, like Cody Fajardo is a great example of this. Cody Fajardo I fully admit this, like I cringe when he tweets and it's not because Cody Fajardo, I think is tweeting something dangerous or he's lying to us or it's that I get it. Cody's a good guy. Like, trust me, I understand that. But the the version of Cody that you are seeing on social media and the version of Cody when it's late in the fourth quarter and he's playing at Mosaic, not the same dude. Like, those are right. two different – like, he's a badass late in games, and I'm not saying he's out there, you know, swearing at people and going crazy. And But what I am saying is that everything uh, – we used to kind of joke about this when I was on radio with Kyle Mello. We would say that Cody Fajardo is the Disney prince of the CFL because he just, like, flumes in and is like, everything is perfect, and I have this wonderful family, and look at my cute, adorable dog. And also, and it's like, that's the world that you get on social media, but that also is like, when you talk about Instagram, that's everybody's best version of themselves. That's not mm-hmm. the real person. And so I struggle with that because I want these quarterbacks and these athletes to open up and to share, but you very rarely are getting the real version of them because the real version they're kind of like normal dudes. And I, that's not what a, the big money position is going to give off. That's going to make fans say, Oh, I can't, this guy is amazing. I can't believe what his life is like. I love him so much. It's like, he's living down the street from you. Yeah. And the biggest thing, at least, you know, when you're going around the locker room when people are thinking of tweeting or posting something on Instagram, mm-hmm. 
generally when you're in that world, there's, you know, maybe one or two, maybe three types of people when they do that. And there's, you know, there's definitely a guy like we were talking about Mazzoli where he's like, you know what, I'm not going to tweet anything. I'm not going to let anybody in on my family and all that kind of stuff, because all it's going to do is it's going to either come back to bite me or people out here don't need to know about it. Right. I'm going to play football. You're going to see me as a football player. That's who you're going to know me as. And refreshing at this point, right? Not many people do that. It's him and probably a couple old O-linemen that grew up on a farm are the yeah. ones that aren't well, I was, tweeting out that, or doing anything. Before you get to the other kind of two types of people that are in, in terms of characterizing the locker room, I, I was really interested in this question the other day when I heard it on a different podcast was, how many people do you, do you know that you genuinely trust don't have a, a platform? They're not on any of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever you want to throw out there. I don't, this is the crazy thing. thing. I don't think I know a single person. I can't think of somebody off the top of my head who's not even on any of those platforms. And it's like, well, that really defines what we're talking about here in terms of, you might say, well, it's too easy to put people in the box of Masoli being the guy who's just like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. But when you say it's refreshing, it's because it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's a thing, right? It's because now you have a little snippet into everybody's life. Mm-hmm. Right. And when that's not around, it's almost like, like, it's like a mystery. You're like, who is this person? You know what I mean? I think that's kind of the attraction to stuff where it's like, when I say it's refreshing, it's just kind of like, Oh, who is this person? Some mystery person. You know what I mean? And also boom, they show up and they're throwing the football on the field. And, you know, saying hi to everybody when they're doing community events and being a good guy in the, in the media spotlight. But then now I know nothing about them. Who is this? You know what I mean? And then there's the other people where it's like, it's like, okay, I know absolutely everything about this person, good and bad. So now I can kind of, as a fan, it seems like take advantage of it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's where I feel like that first initial person where they're just secluded from everything they're like i don't want any of that right yeah that's interesting. and the other thing that kind of jumps out for me on that is when you say well they if you don't put any of yourself out there if you are a mystery we are socialized or the culture tells us that we are missing an opportunity or that the athlete like you're missing out on endorsements if you're an athlete or you're missing out on more people buying your jersey or more people cheering for you during the games and I don't really know if that's true because I'm pretty sure there was a lot of Joe Montana jerseys in the stands at 49ers games at candlestick. I don't think Joe Montana was on Twitter in the mid eighties. Like, (laughs) and and that's where I kind of find it interesting that we've just decided we've created our own reality with social media and, and using the, the prism of the locker room and the athlete mentality in the self-promotion and athlete empowerment age, I think is really it's interesting. It's why we wanted to do this podcast just because, you know, Jeremiah Masoli, if he were to not tweet, not be on any platform, not self-promote whatsoever, there might be some Red Blacks fans saying, well, you know what, man? I mean, McLeod Bethel Thompson's on Twitter and he's got some interesting thoughts and I wish our guy was more like that, but what does it really gain you? Like what is being accessible really give you in the long term? And I'm, I'm not completely anti-social media. I'm pretty anti-social media, uh, but <laughs> I do think there are some good aspects that we'll get to in a second here, but 
that question for you, Mike, as somebody who's played in the Canadian Football League, been accessible, been a, a local benchmark, done so many community events, all the rest, it does give you the platform to directly connect with people. But at the same time, if you weren't on there and you were still doing community events and you were still playing at a high level and playing for the local team around where you grew up, like you would still have a following. You would still, so I, I do wonder when I see people that are obsessive about it, that are the exact opposite of the Masoli, you know, that stuff doesn't matter to me. What are they reaching for? Like, is it an insecurity that their play or their role in the team can't speak for itself? Some people, I'm sure it's just a fun adventure to go on that just adds to their excitement. But yeah, I've, I've always wondered that question, and especially in locker rooms with guys who do use it so actively sometimes. Yeah, and you know, we talk about, because I'll, I'll agree with you, or I'll disagree with you slightly, where I believe that social media um, should be used uh, it, like extensively as an athlete because only for the reason of partnerships and like you said, yeah. brand deals and anything monetary. And I think what is awesome, especially about the CFL and I, you know, we just went through somebody being out there and getting scrutinized, right. A fan hitting them up and saying, Hey, you played a terrible game. You suck all this kind of stuff. That's the one in a million, right? That's the, right. well, maybe not a million, one in a hundred more, <laughs> more like a little bit more of those, but, but the other 99, especially in the CFL, and I love doing it on Twitter, on Instagram, they are so open. They want to talk about whatever you're doing, right? If you're doing a community event, they're excited about it. And I think that's kind of the, the cool thing because you go and you do this football stuff and you, and you play and all that kind of stuff. And then you tweet out a, you know, I'm going to be over here eating at, you know, let's say bread bar in Hamilton. I would always go there. Right. Well, bread bar might say, Hey, come on in. Right. If you tweet out, we'll give you a meal. Yeah. And that's, you know, a very small aspect of it. Right. And that's a very small, you know, one meal, whatever, but now we're putting it on a big scale. And when you have a following, right. And, and, and people are interested in what you're doing, well, that's just marketing. Mm -hmm. That's marketing for these different brands. So, I mean, you start you start looking down the line on what people are promoting, and you know, athletes are getting like I've gotten an entire bed set, right? I've gotten there was a time there where I didn't pay for any clothes because I would just, and it's all marketing, and it's incredible because all you're doing is you're playing football and posting it on Twitter and Instagram. So that's why I think that. You know, you have to take advantage of this as an athlete because you I, only have such a small time. I always think of these conversations now uh, as they relate to like the NIL deals that are happening in the NCAA <laughs> yeah. where, where guys are finding out like, oh, I do have value and people do want to support me by using my my reach essentially to be able to leverage that into what you're talking about. Uh, but I have to ask, what is the best, like what's the best relationship? What's the best marketing relationship that you had as a player where you were just like, this is the, this is amazing. I had no idea that I could do this as a player, just like support a business. And they would just give me these amazing things. Probably the best one I got. And I referenced it was with Andy, Andy mattresses. And I just, you know, they had reached out. So a spokesperson for Andy had reached out and it's kind of like, Hey, you want to promote our mattress and we'll send you an entire bed set mattress, (laughs) sheets, pillows, and like at first you're like, well, oh, that's not very cool. 
You know what I mean? Like what? mattresses. Well, yeah, I guess. Sure. And then you start looking into it and you're like, God, that's kind of expensive. No, yeah. I don't really have to go buy another mattress and I don't have to, you know what I mean? So that's probably the coolest one, but I mean, you see, I mean, shoot, you see some of these guys, they walk in and they're handing stuff out because of how much stuff. And I was, you know, I was small fries compared to right. what, especially some of the guys that had played in the NFL for a little bit and had the, you know, whether it was the agency deals or whatever. I mean, it, if you're not using social media as an athlete, I think you're hurting yourself. And mm-hmm. just in terms of the business opportunities, because yeah. you know, like I said, you can get some, some pretty sweet stuff and connect with the, with the like local businesses that are around there, right. Little clothing shops, little coffee shops. And that's how people get to know you. And I think that's, you know, I try to use it to my advantage as much as possible. Yeah. I know other guys do and other guys don't. I take that to heart. I think you're, I think you are right about that. And it's, um, it does, like you're saying for every one that is, that goes sour, there's 99 different ways for it to be positive. And in the CFL, I think the positivity of fan bases really is <laughs> outside of maybe Saskatchewan at times um, is, <laughs> is really like, it, it's the almost defining term that I would use for the league and for the passionate fans is you're not a passionate fan of this league. If you want to hate it, there are people, right. who, there are people who will hate watch the Leafs. There are people who will hate watch the bills. There are people who will hate watch the Yankees, whatever. And they just do it because, well, I like the sport, but I want something to complain about when I go into work on Monday. And sure, you guys for the Tiger Cats have lost great cups. And I went to Jiffy Lube up on the Hamilton Mountain this week. And the guy asked me what I did for work. And I told him and he said, oh, he used to do games for the Tiger Cats. And he he said, oh, it'd be a heck of a nice thing if we could finally finish the deal. It's like, that's the conversation in Hamilton. That's been the conversation for 20 years. But that dude is not searching you out on social media to tell you. He's just he's just having a cup of coffee conversation at work with his friends and just, t- you know, ah, I wish my team would win it. And really, you know, the psychology of that is he's just complaining about it because he actually cares. And that's what you right. want fan bases to do. And that's how you want people to interact on social media is do they care about you enough to want to follow you and to want to care about what you are doing on the day to day? And I think a lot of CFL fans really genuinely do. And for players to reach out and have those conversations on social media, I think that's what makes the CFL go because I mean, that's the way you keep all the fans engaged, right? They're, they're the ones, you know, reaching out. They can go talk to the players that they are seeing play and even kids, right? Like you get kids reaching out, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing for workouts? Like, I see Speedy. Speedy's always talking to people online, right? He's probably the one that gets a fair amount of the hate, but he has fun with it, yeah. right? And we talked about that with him. And, you know, it's, I think that's what makes it go. And that's why everybody is, you know, what's Speedy doing? What's Speedy doing? Because they get that <laughs> little piece of it outside of football, right? But, yeah, I think, like I said, I think you got to utilize it to your advantage because, like I said, there's such a small window that once, once you're done playing to – you're not going to have fans reaching out to you. Yeah. You know I mean, you're not going to have brands saying, Hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Oh, I'm going to go to the park. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> wear stuff at the park. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen that way. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's wear stuff on the field or we don't want to talk about it. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I think it's, it's a huge advantage to, to get out there and like promote stuff. But like I said, you have to be a little bit careful on, self-promote so people get this 
bad rap of mm. over self-promotion. Right? Okay. So, so this is the next thing that I wanted to talk about was um, the idea of the, the guy who's in the locker room who, and sometimes you can tell because of the way that he is on social. And sometimes you can tell because of the way he is in the locker room, but at some point, these two things come together. The person that is usually the over-the-top self-promoter ego monster on social media typically tends to be that in the locker room. Is that fair to say that that person is typically that more? And again, I don't want to characterize everybody inside a box and be like, this is all you can ever be. But in my experience, if somebody is out there being, you could call it selfish, egotistical, whatever adjective you want to use, that always feels like it shows itself on social the same way that it you hear stories after someone's been in the locker room yeah and i feel it's one of those things where it shows itself at inopportune times so i i wouldn't say it shows itself all the time but it's one of those things where difficult times yeah where where the selfishness will come out now and that doesn't i shouldn't say that ties to somebody being over the top on social media or, or, or over promoting on social media. That's because at least in a locker room, anybody that is over promoting, I mean, you kind of get, it's a bad thing to say, but you kind of get dealt with in terms of just people making fun of you. You know what I mean? So is <laughs> it get policed inside the locker room where it's like, people are tired of your BS and they just call you on it for the most part. Yeah. Like nice. if you're out there and you're, you're pushing yourself quite a bit, like, you know, you might come in and say like, Hey, are you making another TikTok for us or something like that? You know, I mean, just little like pokes. And, and I think it kind of simmers, it levels everything out, but definitely it's tough because there's some people that are self-promoters on social media, but they're self-promoting for the reasons I talked about right. for brand awareness for whatever. Right. And but that can be misinterpreted, that, right? Like that can be misinterpreted. And then that's where you run into that kind of foggy middle of, I, I don't know why this person is doing this so much, but over time you start to realize, oh, they don't actually, they're not causing any harm. Right. And, and usually the, the cool thing to see is when it it's evolving to something. So there's a lot of guys that over promote, over promote, I shouldn't say that promote quite a bit. And that's because they're growing their brand. Yeah. And I mean, you see some of these guys that, you know, play for a little bit and have grown their brand, grown their brand, grown their brand. And then now they're using that, post-playing career a perfect example of that is go check out courtney stevens twitter yeah it's fantastic and while he was playing he kind of got into this niche of okay uh he he did like little overtime football stuff and then he kind of started being an entrepreneur and then you know self-educating and now it's he's promoting he's promoting what he's doing a lot but he's doing a fantastic job at it yeah but then there's other parts of it where it's you know, you go on to social media just to talk about yourself and not promoting brands or not building something. And it's just talking about yourself and, you know, this guy sucks or I'm better than this guy, uh, this and that competitive is good. But then I think that's where the inopportune times it comes out and you're like, Oh, this guy's definitely about himself, which is hard in professional sports. Cause I think everybody has to be a little bit, but you can kind of see it when it's a team thing that's coming out since why I say inopportune times right in a game complaining about not getting passes thrown right in a game complaining that you know they're not getting an opportunity not getting enough playing time whatever it might be it kind of pops up being like there it is 
Yeah, man, that honestly, that's such a good definition for where the line gets crossed, if you want to call it that, is when you can see somebody building something that is progressing, that is uh, aiding their personal growth or their brand or their marketing or their financial benefits versus the person who's just on there to be about themselves. Right. Like if they're just on there to complain and to and it really, again, a lot of this is just like human psychology, human sociology type stuff. But again, using that locker room vibe, it's even the self-policing mechanism is like, that's like social one-on-one stuff, right? Of society sees somebody acting out in a way that you are socialized to not supposed to be. And everybody tries to drag you back in and say, Hey, go, come do this stuff with us. Like we're trying to do this as a team, as a people. So um, yeah, that definition I think is pretty clear cut. Is there is there a difference in your opinion? Being in the CFL, the dynamic is unique between Canadians and Americans. What what is the tendency between Canadian usage of this stuff and American usage in your experience? Um, honestly, uh, I haven't seen a massive difference. The only thing that I've seen is, you know, and I've I've kind of this is more of like a personal thought and not much research in behind it. Or, yeah, yeah. But when you're playing football as a Canadian, there's just not that many guys playing it at a high level, right. In order to make it to the CFL and, and really affect, you know, maybe even at the university level really affect anything. Right. And in the, in the States, I mean, there are so many more exponentially more, right. It's a huge sport there. And, and I feel like it, the Americans are a lot better at self-promotion in terms of just in the fact of not an ego way, but they've had to go through this mixing pot of millions and millions and millions of players. You know what I mean? This tryout going on to like to walk on or to go play at a D one school. It's as close to professional as you can get. And when you go to an OUA school or, uh, you know, I mean, Cam West school, like there's a huge difference between the top level guys and then like who your bubble dresser guys are and then who your practice squad guys are, right? For them, for these Americans, it's, it's this huge pressure situation where you have to stand out a little bit differently, right? And that starts whether it's for some guys at high school, whether it's some guys for college, whether some guys were pros, they got to be a little bit better at standing out and self-promote is maybe a word for it, but definitely, Hey, this is what I'm good at. Look at me while the Canadian for the most part, just kind of gets away because they're <laughs> a better player. You know what I mean? It's, and that's kind of the main thing that I see between the Canadian American the social media stuff. Nah, not really. Other than these NFL guys that'll come into the CFL with, you know, 100k followers because of their nfl time but man braylon addison is such a good example of this that i find to be hilarious because i love following braylon i think he's an interesting dude on top of being a great player for the Tigers. and he sometimes i see the conversations he's having with people where he'll just be like damn you know saturday i miss being in eugene oregon and he'll get and he'll get like a billion replies of people being like, "You're the greatest duck of all time, man! I love you! Like, like you should have been our quarterback! Like, you're the best recruit I've ever seen come in! You're the purest dude! I love!" And it's just like, "Oh my god!" Like if Mike, if you were to tweet out like, "Man, Saturdays I love Wee football," to what you're talking about, it's like there'd be ten people that'd be like, "Why?" 
<laughs> yeah. 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 And then I'd get probably five texts from my buddies being like, why are you, what are you doing? <laughs> are you bored? <laughs> what, are you, what are you posting that for? I know it's, it's insane. And, and that's the thing. Like, so you get a guy like Braylon who has those like followers. Right. And he, now his social media for him is just, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And people are into it and they'll always be into it. Right. They'll always be into it, but it's cool to see because when you can use that for your own good and, you know, like you said, financial benefit, it's, it's fantastic. And some guys do, and some guys don't. And then there's that weird middle, that weird middle part of, you know, what we were talking about, those like high self promoters, the guys that are on every single social media and then the Jeremiah Mazzoli's and the old guys that live on farms and stuff like that. And then there's (laughs) that weird middle. That's a direct shot of Mike Filer. You can't. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think Filer's got one social <laughs> yeah, media. He's on there. But yeah. he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't post. He's just a take, 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 take. Yeah. He doesn't give anybody anything. But yeah. there's that weird middle, right? And I feel like that's where most guys lie. And it's just like, I don't really know how to use this right now. So I'm going to be on them and I'm going to kind of say something's here, or, you know. I know a lot of the time guys will retweet a depth chart because they're like, Hey, I'm still playing football. Well, remember me. The funniest thing now is like during combine season where we put out on CFP, the, the combine rankings, the score workouts and all this stuff. And, uh, the retweets, most of the time they only come from like the top 20, 30 guys. Cause they're trying to be like, Hey, everybody yeah. that <laughs> follows me, take a look. But, yeah. the, but the, it's funny to me because there were some people who retweeted it and I just see their name pop up. And because I'm like studying these players and doing these mock drafts and putting out these lists by the end of draft season, like basically March and April for me every year is just downloading who's the rookie class. And then it gets to the point where when I'm calling a game, I don't even have to put information on the piece of paper in front of me. Cause I'm like, I studied that guy. He's just ingrained in me. And it's funny sometimes when you see the people who are like near the bottom of the combine rankings or like, you know, the, the 73rd of 74 draft picks in my mock draft and they retweet it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. Like make, makes you happy. That's just fine. happy to be there. Yeah, exactly. Like can't wait to <laughs> be part pretty... of the conversation, but uh, yeah. uh, let me, let us wrap up by me asking you this, Mike, cause I find this to be something that I'm constantly questioning myself. What is for you the best part of social media, not even necessarily within the sphere of the locker room, just you as a person, what is the best part of social media and what is the worst part of social media? That's deep. Yeah. That's a deep question. I, I always am thinking about this because I, I, I use it for work. I use it to share kind of the things that I'm, I'm uh, piecing together and my analysis and all of that stuff. And so anyways, I'll give my answer afterwards, but I'm interested in what your thought is. Well, when I, when I was playing, I verbally said to many people, I was like my social media is for me to connect with people that are watching me play football. I was like, I have, I have no interest in posting about what I'm doing day to day, what I, you know what I mean? Like where I'm going to eat, all that kind of stuff. But then what I started to notice is the best part being that sponsorships, the, the brand stuff and all that kind I, I, so I think that's the best part for sure. And I mean, I say, I didn't want to get into personal stuff, but you have kids and then you're like, Oh, somebody's got to see how cute my kid is too. Right. But for the most part, it was for 
the fans to connect with me and me to connect with them. Like if I was somewhere or I was doing something or to be able to promote a good cause, like a lot of the times I'll try to, if I'm doing any sort of, you know, well, most recent one we have done is the Telus anti-bullying one. I was like, well, I got to pump this out as much as possible. Cause I believe in this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Going to the worst part is, and I'll tell you right now, it, everybody will be lying to you. If they said that when you get a tweet or something about your play negatively, that they don't care, I think they'd be lying to you. Yeah, it's human. I could say 99.9% of the players, even if they don't say anything and they just see it, even if they say something or they attack back or they say, I don't care about that, they care. Yeah. 100%. Because that's the toughest thing. You go out there, you have a bad game, you have one bad play, whatever it could be, right? And you come back in, you know, you're on the bus to go back to the airport. You could have won by 50. You're on the bus to go back to the airport and you got one person, doesn't matter who they are, you know what I mean? Could be a bot, all I care. Yeah. And it's like, see that play that Daly made? That sucked. He does not deserve to be playing. Right. Then you're just like, ah. God damn it. One guy. You know, it's funny hearing you say that too, because like you're saying, it does not matter whether or not it's a guy who's hammered in his basement on a Saturday night in Stony Creek, or if it's somebody who played the position and knows the game exclusively and was there live watching. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just another account. Like, and that's the, the black and white again of social media that I think really comes through. And I actually relate to that as a broadcaster, like, because I think part of the reason I think about this stuff is that, I've heard stories of Joe Buck where he was around during the evolution of social media. And in the beginning, like all of us, he was just like, this is amazing. I can be reached by all people at all times. This is great. And obviously I think that's evolved to where there's a counterculture now where it's like, I'd like to be left the hell alone once in a while. (laughs) Um, But in the booth, he was obsessively, he said this in a podcast one time, he was obsessively watching his Twitter feed to see people judging how he was doing. He was getting real-time feedback as he's in the booth. And for me, I, ha- I have Twitter open in front of me for information because maybe Shinetti's on the sideline and he tweets an injury update during a commercial break and I see it before we can actually get down to him on the sideline. So I know, okay, I'm throwing down to him on this topic. Here's how I tee him up because I know what he's going to be saying. Or like it helps me do my job. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you where you could, I mean, my first game ever being on television for TSM was a great example. BC... Ottawa week four this past year, overwhelming, unfair people saying, awesome, loved it, great, so happy he's here, all this stuff. And I'm like, I was trash. Like, I had a terrible, terrible game. But then you get a great game, like I called, I think it was week 13 or 14, Toronto, BC. I was in my bag. I had my prep done. I loved my calls, all the rest. And I got like two or three tweets of people just being like, this guy needs to stop calling games. And at some point, I think this might be the big takeaway from this whole social media discussion is that when you're on a platform that large with that many people who can interact with you, it is impossible to please everyone. Like my, my boss in radio, Mike neighbors told me this, where he said, you're never going to make everybody happy. Your job is to carve out something that represents you and then draw all the people that love that version of you towards what you are doing everybody else they can leave because it doesn't matter but if you're going to and it's not about being the most popular 
saying the thing that attracts the most people. It's just about being you and attracting the people that are interested in who you actually are. And that's easier said than done for sure. But the thing is, is I think you get used to it. So, and again, this wraps it all back up is there's, you either get used to it and you either respond or you don't, but you get used to it and you think in your mind, you know, it affects you right away. Like, "Ah, what do you mean? I called a bad game or what do you mean? I had a bad play, but then you kind of maybe take a step back 10 minutes later and you're like, man, what's this person even mean? Like they probably haven't even played a snap of football. They don't know a thing about football. They're watching the wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then once you go through that kind of process a bunch of times, you're like, then it happens again. And you're just like, ah, there's somebody else. You know what I mean? Like you don't really worry about it, but I then thought- there's that bit wrapping it all back up. You go back to another way to deal with it is, huh, you know what? I'm off social media, not dealing with it, not dealing with this because the negative is either affecting me too much or I'm reading into it too much, or I just don't have time for it. So that's why I'm off. Yeah. Right? Interesting. I, I thought your worst in that answer was just going to be 60 to one to the Calgary Stampeders. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, that's, yeah, that is not, I mean, that still gets brought up. I feel like that, that's a day where you just don't log on or you do log on and you're there for five seconds. You're like, Oh Jesus. And you just closed your phone. And you're like, I don't want anything. To do with that. <laughs> yeah. You start getting the notifications just going off the chain and you're like, we still talk about that. Oh, yeah. Probably most recently a month ago. Yeah. You know what? I think uh, at some point we need to do a round table on the daily news to get in as many tie cats and stampeders as we can in one zoom call and just decon- deconstruct 60 to one. I think we need to do that. Yeah. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to talk with those guys too much. I think they have our number since I've been there. So I would prefer um, not to talk to them. <laughs> my, uh, that would be a perfect place to end it, but I'm just going to throw my best and worst out there. I think my best is watching people uh, carve out a personality that is genuine. And I understand that that's a very broad topic, but or definition. But I would say, uh, Braylon Addison, great example. What does Braylon Addison do? Tweets out, "Tie cats, Batman stuff, uh, Oregon." And it's like, if you want him, that's where you go for that thing. It's like Chris Cuthbert. What does he tweet out? Right, broadcaster, longtime CFL. He tweets out things that appreciate the military great old hockey memorabilia and motivational quotes once in a while. And it's like, that's his thing. It's like the people that know, I think the best how to use it are not just randomly like down on a knee, like Schwarzenegger in an action movie in the nineties, just spraying bullets everywhere. And like, that's not what I think it's for. I think it's about carving out who you really are and then being able to present that to people in a way that's genuine. So that's, that would be my best. Uh, my worst list is probably too long, but the thing I would simplify it to is increasingly more and more, and it might be because of the faceless, nameless nature of it. It might be because of the bot creation nature of it. It might be uh, because people are in, the, in a pandemic more uh, vicious than they've been, or they just don't care about others, but is the general lack of compassion and understanding and the fact that being at a computer, being at a keyboard does not give you the right to say things you wouldn't say to somebody face-to-face that like that's the thing that will always define social media to me as long as I live because that's never going to change but it has certainly increased over the last five years and to me again there's a lot of things I don't like whether it's everybody tweeting the same thing at the same time whether it's you know Frank Vogel's getting fired as the Lakers coach 
I have 30 accounts that all tweet the same thing. I'm like, we don't all need to be tweeting this at the same time. Um, you know, in the off season of the CFL, somebody farts out a four down rumor. And for the next two months, every single tweet about every single CFL topic is about four downs. Yes or no, four downs. Yes or no. I'm like, although we all, we all know that's not happening (laughs) and it just, but it continually, but it's like, it's the the content creation nature of social media where it's like, we got to have something. And for me, I'm like, if we put half the amount of effort in the off season talking about the draft eligible players, and caring about the next generation of who the CFL is going to be featuring into what we do with these BS off-season storylines because people don't have the creativity or imagination to actually move past the basic thought and get into the one that will help grow the league larger. That's another thing for me. But really, it all just comes back to lack of appreciating the people that are on the other side, I think. And that's that's something that I think will never really change. And well, that all that comes full circle too, because I mean, you look at look at the players, right? And what we talked about this was only the behind the R. Mm. I mean, the more you can do with that kind of stuff, and and you say promote the draft eligible guys, well, promote the players that are currently around. Yeah. The ones you know about are only the ones that by themselves go out there on social media and put themselves out there. This is me. But what is something like behind the R is doing or what, you know, the CFL reaching out to a guy like, you know, Dane, Dane now, he's stepping in. Get the CFL to reach out to that guy and get an inside on what he's like. Because then if you're trying to grow this game, you're trying to promote, get rid of the four down talk, get rid of this bogus story you're talking about and start giving me some, you know, Vernon Adams, more Vernon Adams doing the CFLPA workouts. Right. Right. With all his teammates. Give me more of that. Give me more of the behind the arc stuff. Give me more of Dane going out there and throwing a football. I just saw Sim. He was running around doing footwork drills, talking about trying to lose six pounds. Right. Give me more of that. Give me more of that so that I can be attached to these guys. What are they doing? Not talk about four down. That's not going to happen. Get out of here. You know what I mean? I want to see more of that. And then you promote your players. Then you help your players out more. And it's just, it's better for the league. Um, that's the perfect way to end this podcast, which by the way, was brought to you by ND Mattresses. Thank you to them for sponsoring. <laughs> ND uh, Mattresses and Bread Bar. <laughs> there you go. And bread bar. Uh, but I will just finish this on the comedic note of saying, uh, do you know what bar classes are, Mike? Are you familiar with bar classes? I'm familiar. Yeah. I am familiar uh, with bar classes. Simone Lawrence rolled into my bar class at 8 a.m. this morning. It was Simone, me, and 15 70-year-old women. So, and I bet the 70-year-old women wiped the floor with you and Simone they, on that bar They class. did, yeah. And yeah. they loved Simone. They, <laughs> they, they were very Every, excited. Hey, everybody does. <laughs> everybody does. <laughs> uh, thank you to Mike for being on this one. As always, the Daily News. Follow him at Daily News 8 on social media. I'm at TSN underscore Marsh. It's funny that we're promoting a social media after we said we hate it. Uh, master your <laughs> hey, game. You said you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, master your game plan with Fox 40 coaching boards. Choose from a range of clipboards and carry boards to help with your sideline needs. Visit fox40shop.com to shop coaching boards and more and take 15% off of your order using CFP15 as the promo code. Thank you, sir. We will talk to you next week. See ya.